Did you did you wear your colonial era outfit like we discussed? Well, are, are you wearing your colonial? Yeah, of course, Ian. Outfit? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you are. Well, what kind of hat are you wearing? A colonial. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ben Franklin once said, eat to live, don't live to eat. Huh? Huh? Welcome to Paths of Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. And I'm Marshall. And today we'll be having a look at Ravenous a cannibal film made in 1999, written by Ted Griffin and directed by Antonia Bird. Classic. Classic Bird. I don't oh, yeah. I don't know any of his other movies, honestly. But Yeah, it's a she, actually. Oh, I don't um, know any of her other movies. I thought you said Antonio. Yeah. Is her name Antonio? I think it's Antonia. I guess it's Antonia. Did I oh, say it wrong? Oh, okay. I, I, I might have just misheard you. I was just expecting to. I don't think I've heard the name Antonia. Yeah, Antonia Bird. Well, um, I lo- I looked at her Wikipedia page, and sadly, she uh, passed away in 2013. Oh. Um, due to cancer. Very sad. But, uh, you will be missed yeah. Antonia Byrne. It is interesting, though. Apparently, uh, they had a different director at first for this movie, but he quit like three weeks or so into shooting. Oh, wow. And so the guy who plays Calhoun. Yeah. He actually recommended Antonia Bird to be the director, and then oh. she didn't want to do it, but then he got her to do it. <laughs> Is that his name, so, Calhoun? I thought it was Callahan. Calhoun? I, I need I, to look up his right. name now. Hold on. Well, it, it's spelled C-O-L-Q-H-O-U-N. I don't know how you pronounce that. I have no idea either. Because if it was Calhoun, it sounds like Caliban, which is uh, and slightly offensive portrayal from Shakespeare of like a Native American that is a misspelling of, or like, sorry, not a misspelling, what, an anagram, is that what it's called? of caliban or of cannibal or like a synonym no it's not it's not a synonym caliban is a he's from a shakespeare play uh he's a character in a shakespeare play Hmm. and he's like a kind of a representation of the natives of the new world that they were just discovering at that time well maybe we can call him callahan we're gonna call him (laughs) Callahan. we're gonna we're gonna just sell him right on that one yeah um Um, I'm thinking, I, f- I keep forgetting, or do we want to do the teaser first and then the scores? Yeah, you throw us that teaser, you. All right, all right. John Boyd, a second lieutenant in the United States Army, commits an act of cowardice while fighting in the Mexican-American War. For this, he's exiled to a remote outpost high in the Sierra Nevada. Soon after, a frostbitten stranger comes in the winter night, telling of a most gruesome act that befell his party in the Sierra Nevada mountains. The outpost's skeleton crew on Colonel Hart's command decides to make their way into the mountains to save what's left of the stranger's party. But what act shall befall them? There's no telling what people will do when they become insatiably ravenous. That was perfect, Ian. Uh, well, Ian, what'd you, what'd you think of the movie? I, I liked it, so I, I give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, pretty solid. I, personally, I really enjoyed it. 
It was a it was a weird blend of like kind of horror, but it wasn't like entirely hard horror. Uh, yeah. So, but I really enjoyed it in the last. I gave it a good eight and a half. Um, very nice. Yeah, it's um, it, it's like westerny, westerny horror. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a westerny thing, and it's a uh, well, it's peculiar because like I wouldn't if you're looking for like a really great horror movie for that night, I don't think I'd recommend this. Um, mm-hmm. I would tell you like there's more classic horror stuff to watch, but if you're just looking for a good movie, I'd be more likely to recommend this. Um, yeah, I I would agree. It's it's yeah in the horror genre, it's probably not like the best. It's not horror. It's just not hard um, horror. But like, I still wouldn't recommend yeah. it to non-horror fans. Is the weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in this like weird kind of gray area. Um, but our audience ended up. I. I did this earlier and I forgot. It was an eight. They gave it a straight eight. Dang. Yeah, they really liked it. We had two sevens, a couple eights, and a ten. Someone gave this movie a ten. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's her favorite movie ever now. <laughs> I don't know if that's how tens work. No, I'm pretty sure that's how tens work. <laughs> you only get one. Yeah, Spend it wisely. <laughs> um, But yeah, overall, it's, it's just a good movie. I, I can't can't argue with that too much uh yeah so i liked it uh, there are some parts that i was like yeah but yeah for the most part i mean i really enjoyed watching it um mm. it, it's definitely a movie that i think you can watch with a group of people that like a lot of different things yeah um so yeah it's, it's pretty cool and interestingly though it actually did really poorly at the box office i saw that yeah i don't know yeah but it kind of blew me away that it did so poorly yeah it like it had a budget of twelve million and it made two million at the box office. Jeez, that's so harsh. So, yeah, it's real harsh. Well, uh, you want to give us a summary and then we'll dive into it. Sure thing. All right. During the Mexican-American War, Second Lieutenant John Boyd, fighting in the United States Army, finds his courage failing him in battle and plays dead on the battlefield as his unit is massacred around him. His body, along with the other dead, is put in a cart and hauled behind Mexican lines. However, in a redeeming moment of bravery, Boyd seizes the chance to capture the Mexican command post. His heroism earns him a captain's promotion, but when General Slauson learns of the cowardice through which victory was achieved, he posts Boyd in exile at Fort Spencer, a remote military outpost high in the Sierra Nevada. You're no hero, Boyd. I want you as far from my company as possible. I'm sending you to California, Fort Spencer. The fort is commanded by the weary but kind Colonel Hart and staffed by a motley crew of unusual folk. The pious Private Toffler, the drug-addicted Private Cleves, the drunken Major Knox, the ferocious Private Reich, as well as the Native American Scout George and his sister Martha. We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. Shortly after Boyd joins the garrison, a frostbitten stranger named Calhoun arrives and describes how his wagon train became lost in the mountains, telling a most gruesome tale. A Colonel Ives had promised his party of five a shorter route westward to California, but instead had led them on a longer and more difficult passage through the Sierra Nevada mountains, resulting in the party getting trapped in winter storms for three months, taking shelter in a cave. Proceeding in the snow was futile. We took shelter in a cave. 
decided to wait until the storm had passed. But the storm did not pass. Racked by starvation, Calhoun and his fellow travelers, having already eaten the oxen, the horses, and Calhoun's dog, were reduced to cannibalism, eating those that died from malnutrition. Calhoun alleges that Ives, however, resorted to murder, so in an act of cowardice, he left the remnants of his party behind, and then a stroke of luck came across Fort Spencer in a state of near death. I fled. There's nothing less than pure providence that I arrived here. Mrs. McCready, is she still uh, there? I'm kind of lies as far as I know. After hearing the story, Colonel Hart puts together and leads a rescue party to retrieve the survivors. With Martha and Cleves out on a supply run and Knox too drunk to walk, the party is made up of Colonel Hart, Boyd, Toffler, Reich, George, and Calhoun. But before they leave, George warns Hart and Boyd of the Wendigo myth. Anyone who consumes the flesh of other humans takes their strength, but is also forever cursed by the insatiable hunger for more human flesh. George, uh, people don't still do that, do they? Sunday Lou. White man eats the body of Jesus Christ every Sunday. While traveling through the mountains, Toffler is injured when he stumbles off a cliffside. The next night, while sleeping, Toffler wakes everyone up and he begins yelling that Calhoun is licking his wound. He was licking me! Calhoun, while claiming he had had a nightmare, admits he can't be trusted and asks to be restrained. His hands are tied with rope, and he's led along by Reich. When the soldiers reach the party's cave, Calhoun begins acting erratically and seems deathly afraid of what's inside. Boyd and Reich go to investigate. After traveling deep into the cave, they discover the bloody remnants of five skeletons and realize that it was Calhoun who murdered everyone in his party. How many did he say was in the party? Six, right? Why? Who's this? Mines. Oh, Jesus. While Boyd and Reich rush out of the cave to warn the others, Calhoun, wearing his fear as a disguise, digs up a knife outside of the cave and stabs Colonel Hart from behind. He then shoots George with the Colonel's gun and chases after a fearful Toffler. Run! Run, run, run! Boyd and Reich emerge from the cave only to see a mortally wounded Colonel Hart and Toffler and Calhoun disappearing into the woods. On Reich's direction, the two chase after Calhoun but soon find Toffler dead on the forest floor with his chest cut open. Calhoun then ambushes Boyd and Reich at a close edge, killing Reich with a knife to the chest and a fall off the cliff. Boyd lands a shot with his rifle on Calhoun's shoulder, but he continues after Boyd regardless. Seeing no other option, Boyd dives off the cliff. The trees below break his fall somewhat, but he breaks his leg and falls into a pit next to a dead Reich. While Calhoun doesn't find him, Boyd stays in the pit for an unknown number of days, trapped by a combination of fear, injury, and cold. Eventually, Boyd is able to temporarily mend his leg and eats Reich's body to survive, gaining enough strength to make it back to Fort Spencer. God you, you're dead. You're dead. You're safe now. Safe now. Shit. 
When Boyd finally limps back to the fort, he is delirious and severely traumatized and returns to find that it has been reinforced by General Slauson and a detachment of cavalry. Neither the General nor Cleves and Martha, who never met Callahan, believe Boyd's wild tale. And the hungover Knox cannot recall and refuses to back Boyd up. I do remember the man wore a beard. But as I was saying, sir... <laughs> I was feeling a bit ill that day. A second expedition to the cave finds no bodies or any trace of Calhoun. An interim commander is then assigned to the fort to replace Colonel Hart, but to Boyd's horror, it is Calhoun who now professes to be Colonel Ives. The men refuse to believe Boyd's accusation that it was this Colonel Ives who killed the others, especially since he bears no sign of the gunshot wounds Boyd claims to have inflicted on his shoulder. You say you fired on this Calhoun, struck him in the shoulder. Well, that would leave a wound now, wouldn't it, General? I presume so. Despite no one believing his story, Boyd proceeds to keep a knife on hand and never lets his eye off of Calhoun. Additionally, Boyd starts to have intrusive thoughts of killing and eating other people, but he stringently resists the idea. He asks Martha how to defeat a Wendigo, and she says that since all the Wendigo can do is take for itself, the only way to defeat it is to give yourself. You start Wendigo. You give yourself. You must die. Later, when no one else is around, Callahan reveals to Boyd that he used to suffer from tuberculosis. But when a native scout told him the Wendigo myth, he just had to try it. So, he murdered and ate the scout, and this did indeed cure his disease and made him stronger. I grew stronger. Later through circumstance, my wagon train grew lost in the Rockies. I've heard this story before. Mm. I ate five men in three months. Later that day, Martha and Knox find that the horses have all been butchered and Cleves has been killed. This is pinned on Boyd, and he's beaten and chained up by Knox. That was for Cleves. And this is for my horse. Martha is then sent off to retrieve the general so Boyd can be taken to prison. While Boyd is chained up, Knox is killed by someone most unexpected, Colonel Hart. Good gracious. As it turns out, Calhoun has saved Hart by feeding him his own men, and now, just like Calhoun, Hart is hopelessly addicted to human flesh. After the two cook knocks up into a stew, Calhoun mortally wounds Boyd and has him make the choice. Eat and truly become a Wendigo like him and Hart, or die. Isn't this civilized? <laughs> Eventually, Boyd gives in and eats the knock stew. However, rather than join the two men in their conspiracy to use Fort Spencer as a sustainable source of human meat and to convert General Slauson, Boyd convinces Hart to free him so he can kill Calhoun. Hart, in a moment of lucidity, does so, but asks to be killed because he no longer wants to live as a cannibal. I can't live like this anymore. Do it. After Boyd kills Hart, he and Calhoun fight, inflicting grievous wounds on each other as their recuperative powers sustain them. 
Eventually, Boyd grabs onto Calhoun and falls with him into a large bear trap that pins them both together inside of the fort's stables. That was really sneaky. Calhoun taunts Boyd by telling him that he will eat him if Boyd dies first, and asks what Boyd will do if he, Calhoun, dies first. Eat or die. <laughs> Meanwhile, General Slauson returns with Martha, and while his aide looks around the dilapidated fort, the general tastes the meat stew left simmering on the fire. Calhoun dies before Boyd, and Martha sees the deceased Calhoun and the dying Boyd together. She closes the stable's doors and walks away. Boyd doesn't eat Calhoun and dies, having given himself to defeat the Wendigo. I was looking at the cast list, and I didn't. I knew I knew the name David Arquette, the guy who plays Cleves, mm-hmm. and he's Dewey Riley from the Scream franchise. Oh, yeah, so that's fun. Well, damn. But I wanted to say one thing that I thought was peculiar was you mentioned that he's um, that Colonel Ives was suffering from tuberculosis before he became a Wendigo. He mm. also mentions he was suffering from depression and suicidal tendencies, which I don't. I don't know if those were like diagnosable in that time period. Cause like I, the kind of awareness yeah. of depression is a fi- like, it was treated more as like an emotion. Like I'm, yeah, I'm it was a big sad back then than it was. It like was just called winter. I think. Was it really? Wow. No, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just like, I was like, <laughs> I, I think, I think just because it was probably so common, I imagine, yeah. especially during the winter season and whatnot, like, yeah, I would be surprised if it, if people would even be able to self-diagnose and be like, yeah. "Man, I feel, I feel really down all the time. I I'm wonder what this means." Sick. It's just like, oh, just the everyday. <laughs> Man, it's colonial times for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that is interesting that he that he mentioned that. Um, but yeah, overall it was really great. And one thing I appreciate was that they didn't portray Native Americans super terribly which is like super irregular especially for older movies yeah uh, yeah it wasn't too bad they get some of like the worst representation in films and Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't bad in this film um yeah i'd be curious to know if um they were played by actual native americans or not i would also be curious yeah i guess i should have looked that up um you know what i could look that up now do it but yeah, typically, like, especially in older movies, they're portrayed as, like, these just kind of, um, either just, like, these dumb brutes, or, uh, you see in some cases as they're just kind of these, like, almost, like, f- woodland creatures, like, fairy creatures. Um, like, in Peter Pan, for example, Peter Pan's, like, the one of the worst examples of it, because, like, everywhere you just see, like, it's just terrible representations of Native Americans, and, like, we're selling that to kids, and it's just like, what? What do you mean? But, oh, yeah, the... The one female Native American, she was actually like the smart. She was like kind of a smart, witty character in a way. And it was nice. It was a different. It was a change of things. It does appear that um, that both of them are, in fact, actual Native Americans. Awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Um, Not bad representation there. Yeah, it's been great. Like they, they've always had presence 
They've always been portrayed. They've just never been portrayed kindly. <laughs> yeah. It was nice. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, there was one thing pointed out that I did think was peculiar. Was mm-hmm. the uh, was the bear trap. The size of the bear trap. At the- There's, it was a, <laughs> to call it a big tra- bear trap is an understatement. Like, I feel like a bear it, it would step on It could swallow a whole bear. Yeah, like the bear would accidentally like go under it. Like, it would just close yeah. on top of the bear. And he's like, oh, God. I don't know how could it hit me if I was taller. <laughs> I was- <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I didn't even know bear traps that huge existed. Like, I'm curious if they actually did or if this was like a prop made for the movie. That was like inspired. Just like, we need a big bear trap because like that bear trap was like as tall as these men. <laughs> like it was like six feet. It was absolutely insane. And also like when it closed on them, it didn't seem to puncture. <laughs> yeah, it like yeah exactly. Like it seems to kill Calhoun pretty quick, especially mm. considering he was a Wendigo. But it didn't look that bad. No, it didn't. It just kind of looked on. like they were stuck together. Yeah. And forever it's uh it was neat that like boyd had to give himself in that way that they were talking about like martha was talking about yeah um and it was cool seeing that kind of play into effect while he was defeating him but i i for all the gore that they put in this movie like they it was always like an appropriate amount of like blood and stuff for when they had kills um Mm -hmm. there was that was underwhelming right there (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's kind of like the uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of meat hook moment. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, well, I was expecting that to be um, worse. Yeah, especially a for way. a giant bear. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. But all in all, it, it didn't ruin the movie by any means. It was just a little peculiar. <laughs> it was just a little peculiar. I loved I loved what he said afterwards, though. Um, he was like, well, that was sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a line i don't <laughs> i love the idea of like being in battle and just giving your opponent props throughout just like that was a good play right there you did good yeah that, that was sneaky right there yeah, um, i also and i really liked that actor actually who played um i mean i liked all of them to be honest which was great uh but callahan he was good um i've seen him in some other stuff and just just like the way he said things um like uh, like in in the end there he, he said like you know you know if you're if you die i'm gonna eat you like just <laughs> <Yeah>. straight up <laughs> and he also did a good job because um like at the start of the movie when he's a stranger he he's great at acting that and then sort of changes roles as it's revealed that actually that is colonel ives yeah and they did um they did a really great job with that. And he was what I was really impressed by with his performance was in the beginning when he's first telling them of his story that ended up being mostly or that was like partially it was alive. true. It was true. He but, was just portrayed as the wrong character. in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but it's this uh, it's just a close up of his face while he tells the story next to a, a fire um mm-hmm. for like 99 percent of it you see a couple cutaways of like a couple people getting killed before they're cannibalized um but they're just like these little like two or three second cuts yeah, um, yeah. but like he's telling it well enough he's giving you enough performance there that i don't mind like i i'm i, I feel like i'm sitting around a fire just like listening to a guy tell a story and i'm like wow this is really cool 
Yeah, that that was really well done because, um, and they did, like you said, they did have some cutaways where they showed like um, parts of the story like actually being acted out as many movies do. It's sort of the norm. Um, But they also, most of it, most of the time was spent just on his face. Yeah. Just this um, sort of wide shot of his face. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that was really well done just because his acting was spot on and, and it felt uh, pretty real there. So I'm glad that they spent that much time on him just because he did a really good job expressing that. Mm-hmm. And I was so sad when he wasn't the lovable character we met in the beginning. I was like, man, dude, I want to see this. Like, I like Calhoun. I don't like Colonel Lives. I want to see Calhoun. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I I love that Major Knox was so drunk that he didn't even remember meeting Callahan, and that's what <laughs> fucked Boyd over. Like, was... if he was sober, everything would have been fine, mm. but because he was drunk, it was all crap. That was, that was great. And so one thing that was peculiar to me was Boyd. It was kind of implied that he'd committed cannibalism before right um was sort of i think what they were getting at um you know the the opening scene so they actually have this opening scene i didn't include it in the summary but they have this opening scene where there's all these soldiers including boyd sitting around a table Uh, everyone has like a piece of meat on their plate and they just like dig into it like they're ravenous right Mm -hmm. and it, it makes it it makes it look kind of gross the way that they film it and the sound effects and everything and then Boyd has flashbacks to uh, when he was in this pile of bodies and his, like, superior officer was on top of him, his, like, face half blown off and was bleeding onto him and the blood was getting into his mouth. Yeah. So I think that's what it's hitting at is that because he was tasting person, um, it sort of traumatized him in that way. Okay. As if I, he I was had, curious like, to that. Yeah. And, like, was just getting that blood in his mouth enough to strengthen him some or something? Um, but and that that was, like, the one thing I was curious about. Because I feel like it could have been stronger. So they could have just, like, given us that a little better. Because I feel yeah, like you, that, that you had be to be putting a lot together. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like it was entirely clear. But it wasn't too terrible either. Um, yeah, and I think in a way they kind of wanted it to not be quite there yet they didn't want to have the wendigo stuff yet Mm. they just sort of wanted to introduce this idea of um like not wanting to eat meat yeah and (laughs) and it being gross and you have this ravenous theme of course and i think they just kind of wanted to introduce that early on i was like um i think what i would have liked to see that i that would have like uh made that a lot better for me is mm -hmm. if when he, he got the blood in his mouth and then he somehow managed to like push a, a little bit of an unreal amount of bodies off of him and then like as a viewer you were like how is he able to push that many bodies it's unrealistic but later you like learn about the wendigo stuff and so you realize that's how is because he had like a little bit of wendigo ability yeah Something that like actually that. would be a really interesting uh place to take it um i think only then you might have the issue of like oh well was he not fully wendigo did he not have like the like insatiable mm-hmm. hunger um it might create a lot more questions as well. I, I see. I was curious about that because he he was Wendigo at one point, like full on. They fed him meat so he could recover after beating the guy up pretty bad. But mm-hmm. we uh, he didn't seem to have that hunger. He was still like on the side of good. Um, 
Yeah, it, it did. It was sort of showing that he was resisting it. Yeah. Um, as was pointed out by Ives, it's like, oh, stop resisting it. You know, you're not being brave by resisting it. Mm. Um, but yeah, he resisted it. Uh, and maybe maybe that was helped by his introduction in the beginning to human blood, and he hated it. And um, but we also see this whole cutaway of, uh, or like this kind of like a daydream of his where he just brutally yeah. kills and then eats cleaves and cleaves is like man dude stop that um and <laughs> like as if he does have like and it, it could speak to either he does have the wendigo hunger to some extent mm-hmm. or that he recognizes colonel ives power as a wendigo and thinks he needs the wendigo power to fight him so i don't know which it is or like what exactly that daydream means yeah i i think at that point um, because of course, by that point, the only thing he had eaten was Reich. Mm-hmm. And I think it is trying to tell us that he is starting to feel it, yeah. the, that, uh, desire. Um, but as I've says, he's, he's resisting it. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's not quite Wendigo, it seems. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and actually, so going back to the beginning, since you're talking about the, uh, ravenous scene at the beginning there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and actually when, uh, when the stranger tells the story and everything and, well, Callahan and Callahan tells the story, um, it's, it's almost like a bloodletting. It is a bit. Yeah. It's so the, but the interesting part of course is that he's the killer. So he's like telling, he's essentially sneakily telling a story of how he, butchered and ate all these people to the next people he intends to butcher and eat that's it's messed up dude that's that's how i do it though with some style um <laughs> some flex uh, points right there I, I loved it though after this uh, i have this in my notes um so this is when george basically tells hart he warns hart and boyd that we should be careful about this guy because you know, according to this myth, uh, when you eat humans, you become a Wendigo and you want more human flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, well, I mean, is that really, you know, um, I mean, how, how true is that really? And then he says the white man eats the body of Jesus Christ every Sunday. <laughs> Dude, I know that was a great lie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make a fair uh, point. You can't argue that one, George. No. <laughs> Um, dude, one thing that bothered me a lot was when they were sitting in the when they're sleeping in the tent and freaking Calhoun licks Cleves. That was oh god, Oof. I I couldn't or not not Cleves. I wasn't not Cleves. Toffler, that's right. Yeah, he licks Toffler mm-hmm. and like oh my god, that oh just has so oh god, that bothered me so much. Like that bothered me more than like anything else in the movie, and you didn't even visually see it. You just, it's just inferred, and I was like, "Oh God, oh God. that that is really that is one of the creepiest things." Yeah, like licking someone's wound, mm. or I mean, it almost sounded like it. It it sounded like he actually touched touched his lips to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's well, that's creepy. God, that's God, that bothers me. And then he had like some blood on his lips. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Um one you thing know, Oh yeah, go for it. 
Oh, well, I was going to say, um, so during this part, right, uh, this is when they're in the mountains and, like, when they camp out and everything. After this, uh, Calhoun is tied up. Like, he, he wants to be. Like, he says, like, oh, you can't trust me, restrain me. Right? I, I want you to. It kind of reminds me of Smeagol slash Gollum from Lord of the Rings when, you know, uh, they're pulling him around by the uh. rope because they don't trust him. Yeah. And so it's almost like maybe it seems at least like, oh, maybe he has this good side. That's the Smeagol. But he also has this like when to go uh, Gollum side, except I don't think that's actually how it is because he seems like, I mean, it, it looks like he, I mean, uh, you know, a scout told him this myth and then he just, what, decided to kill and then eat him immediately? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really have an excuse there. So I think he was a terrible person to begin with, but it was still interesting. Oh, and me, I think like, at, uh, I think at that point in the movie, we did kind of view him like that. Like, maybe he's a little messed up, but he seems exactly. like a nice guy. Yeah, maybe he's like a Smeagol slash Gollum sort of a character. He is good inside, but he has uh, other d- darker parts of him mm-hmm. due to the corruption that's befallen him. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was the soundtrack. I don't know if you caught on to the soundtrack. I I did when the chase scene happened. Yeah, the first chase scene when he's chasing Toffler. Yeah, when Callahan starts chasing Toffler after he kills Hart and George, or, well, seemingly kills Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, it's like this, um, what's that music called where it's like, the classic one where people like running back and forth and it's sped yeah. up a bit. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. That I'm not. What is the funny chase song? It, this is Yakety Sax might be it. I don't think. I don't, that's I don't it. think that's quite it though. Yeah. Um. Oh no, it is Yakety Sax. The down down Yeah. That's it right there. But yeah, it it felt it had those kinds of vibes almost. Like it wasn't quite as silly, but. It still felt compared a to how silly. dark yeah. the moment was. It was kind of like playing that song. Yeah, um, uh, I was, that was I a was very laughing. interesting choice. I was like, "Wow, poor Talfer doesn't even get like dramatic music. He's just <laughs> he's getting chased by a cannibal while he's all wounded." <laughs> yeah, it's this movie <laughs> like goofing. almost due entirely to the music and also somewhat to moments. It had some strangely comedic undertones. Um, like for instance, when Knox gets surprised by Colonel Hart, who's come back to life and Colonel Hart kills him. Mm. Um, the thing he says right before it is something along the lines of, you know, oh dear goodness, you know, like mm. something like that. <laughs> like, it's just not the kind of thing you would expect someone to say when they're about to be killed. Uh, now, it makes sense, of course, because he's seeing Colonel Ives, which is unexpected, but just it's kind of funny. And then he just gets killed like it's kind of funny. So there's just these sort of weird comedic moments. No, they're entirely are. One thing. Uh, one thing I found interesting, I usually get super annoyed at those characters that like freeze up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But Talfar, he freezes up before he goes on the chase, like the whole time that uh, Calhoun is stabbing heart and shooting george talfer is sitting there watching and he's like oh my god no and he has a rifle and i'm just like talfer please but they also portrayed talfer in such a way that he's like the kind of guy that would entirely freeze up and just yeah. like be it a freaking doofus in that situation that i did mm-hmm. believe it though you know what i'm saying like Callan even turns to him and says run 
while he's holding the rifle on him. Just like run from what you have a rifle, just shoot him. But like, yeah, and then he drops the rifle and runs. Yeah, he's <laughs> it's weighing him down, and it bothered me a little. But they he's he's such like a tender soul throughout the movie though that like it kind of makes sense. Like they set him up mm-hmm. that he is the character that would do that. Yeah, they they do set him up for that. Um, I think what I would have preferred, just so it's easier to sympathize for him in that scene, is he like takes a shot and completely misses like 20 feet like he accidentally (laughs) shoots or something just so at least like he shot his shot right he can't reload or anything Mm. that would take too long so at least there's like that he kind of panicked and he kind of tried but he completely messed up Mm -hmm. and like that i think that would be a little more that would be a little better but i think because of how they portrayed him uh, as like a very tender soul person it does make sense for his character that he would just completely freeze up. It's also interesting, I think, that Toffler is not a a neurotypical person. I think they have him portrayed as specifically a neurodiverse person, you know, just because he has, like, those little things, like like how he tries to wake up Knox. Mm-hmm. He just has, like, those little, little tendencies that don't quite fit with the other more I, typical people. I got the sense it was some kind of, like... I know it was Cleves that was like constantly doing drugs, wasn't it? I get Cleves and Toffler yeah. so confused. Yeah, Cleves was the one who did drugs. Toffler yeah. was the religious one. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. But no, they were smoking in a tent though, weren't they? No, that was Cleves. The, oh my god. This is terrible. Um, unless maybe they smoked in that tent, but I mean he might have smoked like a little bit, but no more than uh Hart would. Yeah. I had yeah, he, I have this one. issue where, like, when there's too many white men in a movie, I get them mixed up. For the <laughs> longest time, Boyd and Calhoun looked the same to me. And I was like, how am I supposed to? They're like, this is a protagonist versus antagonist. And I don't know which one I would shoot. I <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, when, when Calhoun first showed up, it was kind of like, these two look very similar. Yeah. I was like, I was so glad he shaved. <laughs> yes, the only way I could tell them apart is because Callahoon had a bushier beard. Ah, like, of course. He just had a bigger beard. That was the only way I could tell them apart at first. Um, the one other time that a character is silly, I felt, uh, was when Reich was chasing Callahoon. And it's right before he gets pushed off the cliff. He sees Calhoun mm-hmm. and he immediately takes a shot. Like he quick fires at him. Um and he misses the shot. Uh, but l- later he's like looking around for where Calhoun could have possibly gone. And it turns out he like climbed a tree and he- Calhoun hops down, he whips his knife behind his head, and then he throws it into Rike. And I was like, You took a shot so quick earlier. <laughs> like, why not now? Like he had a- <laughs> he had time to like drop down on the ground whip back his knife and then throw it at you and you didn't but and you had your gun ready you'd like throw it to your side and surprise or something i don't know i think he he took a shot then too but like it was basically after he was hit with the knife he like took a sort Mm. of almost misfire shot yeah um and that that didn't bother me a crazy amount but i was like this would have been the better moment for that quick shot right um and what uh boyd's huge fall like he that that jump he takes was just like wow that's the play that's a play right there yeah um yeah it, it was it was i liked how they did that actually um i mean and they actually made it realistic and how he survived but broke a leg just yeah, with the exactly. way like the trees broke his fall but it was still terrible mm-hmm. 
And then, man, I it this was when the movie sort of turned around for me because at this point I was unsure about how I felt about the movie, but it when it started to turn for me was when Boyd falls off the cliff or jumps off really, and then slides into the pit next to Private Reich, mm-hmm. who's basically dead. And so, like Boyd, the way that they sort of do this, where even the audience doesn't even know how long he was in that pit for, but obviously it was at least three days due to the fact that they set up that whole supply run thing where Martha and Cleves were gone for at least three days. And so he's in there for a long time. And I love it because, of course, you know, this guy, I mean, he has severe PTSD, obviously. And so, you know, he's not he's not exactly down for acts of heroism at this time. Right. He just he wants to be safe. He doesn't want to, um, you know, be in this environment anymore. And so he's scared. He's he's paralyzed to really do anything. Um, and so he keeps asking uh, Reich if like, you know, oh, what should I do next? You know, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. And I, I thought that was really good, just how they portrayed that and how he was really just looking for any direction he could. And then after he eats Reich, it's almost like he does in a way get an answer because he gets that strength and he's able to actually go to, go out on his own. And mm-hmm. from that point on, his character sort of developed a bit so that he is ready to take somewhat of a stand. Yeah, it was... I really like that they don't... I feel like this doesn't happen too often in horror movies. It's more like kind of a... You find it outside of the horror genre a lot, but you see mm-hmm. him uh, in an act of cowardice in the beginning and he regrets that. And then he's on kind of this redemption arc from there. Um, yeah. Of like, I, I already messed up once. I let everyone die before. Um but this time I'm going to try to I'm going to try to save you. I'm going to try to do the right thing. Um, and I thought that was I, I, I thought that was great. I thought that worked out really well. And Hart, when he came back, that shocked the heck out of me. I did not see that coming. I didn't either. That was that was yeah, that was well done. Yeah. I twists don't usually get me, but that that got me. Mm-hmm. Especially in horror, because I feel like they're super predictable most of the time. It, it doesn't mean they're bad, but like you can usually see it coming if you're careful but yeah that that blew me away i 100 percent thought like all that stuff had happened before boyd like the hanging of the horses uh the killing of cleaves and all was something that uh colonel ives had done before he met up with boyd and they got into that whole skerfluffle i don't know what you would call it yeah <laughs> yeah and but yeah the way they did it was really well done and um and of course it was interesting because i didn't even know it when when uh when Knox died or was killed rather because um, mm-hmm. you have this shot where he comes in and he's like oh golly gee or whatever right mm-hmm. and then he his head gets like cut off what's weird is that I thought it was uh, Calhoun that did that but uh, between shots it's like he was like right after that immediately after it just showed him still prepping the stew so it's like well how did he yeah I thought I thought it was like him? a mess up of the movie I, I was like that was a breaking yeah. continuity or something like that doesn't quite make yeah, sense but exactly but then suddenly you realize oh he has a second person yeah and it's heart and that was that was really well done oh, um, that was crazy i also did like that um because of course what the being coming to wendigo does like it does i think give you that sort of golem character inside you that wants to, you to do the bad thing mm-hmm. um but like heart you know he's a kind man, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, wary kind. Um, 
but you know he's still he's affected by that golem and, and at first it seems like he's totally okay with it which seems weird for his character but once he's like in that lucid state after he looks and sees that all of his books are gone at that point he's like you know what all right i'm gonna let you go just i just ask that you kill me because i can't live like this yeah and that was actually pretty interesting i thought because oh he's still there mm-hmm. but you still have this sort of wendigo addiction over it i thought that was good i felt so bad for him because he said <laughs> he asks kill me quick please just make it quick and then Boyd slashes his throat. And like, I don't think that's totally the best way to go. Yeah, that's not the quickest way. <laughs> like you're just sitting there unable to breathe, blood filling unable up your to lungs speak. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's just rough. like dying. Yeah, it seems like one of the worst ways you could have killed him. Like, <laughs> can you like have you could have stabbed him in the back of the head? Yeah, you exactly. Stabbed him in the heart. Um, There's better ways yeah. to go. Honestly, bleeding out of your leg would might like cutting an artery or something might be better than cutting your throat. It'd be less like painful and disturbing for you in the last moments. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the worst way you could have done it. But yeah, it was. I thought it was good stuff. Uh I can't think of really any other talking points I had for it. Yeah, I mean, all I gotta say is. Man, they had good characters. I really liked all the mm. all the characters uh, in this movie. I'd say, like you know, the general, um, and then of course Boyd, the main character, who is very flawed in a lot of ways, which mm. I love to see. You know, a protagonist who's really flawed. Um, you know, and then just all the people he meets. I have I love Hart. You're of course you're supposed to love Colonel Hart, like just the sort of kind older gentleman, yeah. um, the father figure, just, of it all, really yeah exactly um who just wants everyone to be okay and taken care of um but yeah they, they just did a great job with it and uh yeah well good, they, good movie they set it up as this like dysfunctional but still kind of like loving family which is yeah fun. and they're like that's the drug addict that's the drunk and it was it was nice i like i did yeah. like their setup a lot and like even though we may have not gotten to know the character too well you still felt like you knew the character to an extent yeah for uh-huh. sure um they they introduced them well and uh yeah yeah overall very enjoyable characters i did think that was very nice Mm -hmm. Uh, if if you've got nothing else ian i'm ready to hop into the summaries you got anything else yeah yeah the surveys let's do so it was rated an average of eight and the scariness of the movie was four that's it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shouldn't have taken as long as it did but <laughs> um so it wasn't it, which i agree it wasn't a terrifying movie but it was like a fun movie to watch it was still very engaging yeah. in its plot with its characters um so yeah it's and it's like we were talking about it's like a horror gray area because like while it's not necessarily for non-horror audiences you're still going to enjoy it as a non-horror movie I think that's why it did so poorly I was, know, at the box office. I was about to say it, that was because, yeah, it's for horror fans, but not meant to not. be enjoyed as a horror movie. Yeah, it's and, and that it, it does so much. So, you know, it's like part Western, it's sort of part war movie, part cannibal movie, sort of part horror movie, part like slightly comedy. Yeah. It's like a weird mishmash and it's really enjoyable, 
but it's also sort of difficult to recommend. Yeah, exactly. Like, where what situation do you recommend it in? Um, I, I recommend it as a family movie, unironically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's... not for young kids, but yeah, everyone liked it. <laughs> yeah, like some people liked it more than others, but everyone liked it. Everyone enjoyed watching it. So this is a family movie. <laughs> It's, I did not expect to come across a family movie on the cannibal theme night, but that's just what you get, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, it's like Deadpool, a family movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a love story. Um, yeah. So and here we go. In the Paths of Fear question, which aspects of the movie scared you the most, if not personally, then for the characters? So we have four options here. Being so insatiably ravenous that you cannot stop yourself from consuming another human being. Being the last alive, alone and without guidance, while death searches for you. Knowing that someone is dangerous and terrible, but being unable to convince anyone else. And lastly, being so frozen with fear that you can only watch in terror as your friends are killed in front of you. So, which do you think was the most scary of people? The ravenous of being the last alive, unable to convince, or being frozen in fear? Oh, man most i'm going to go with oh, oh yeah. i'm worried for you here <laughs> we need a win <laughs> um not There's... being able to convince people not being able to convince people okay that it wasn't there was one that simply wasn't voted on and you didn't get that one so good for good for you Ian. uh <laughs> however this was the other two were tied for first so you got the one that was in between so you know what that's <laughs> that's a half win we'll take <laughs> it's not a loss well yeah. it's half a loss sort of a loss um not which, a huge loss which two do you think tied for first or in other words which wasn't voted on which which wasn't voted on um i'm going to go with being alone that, as the one that wasn't voted on yeah i'm so proud Ian. you got it you you nailed it yay <laughs> that, that, that's the biggest one i've gotten that's amazing but yeah so people thought that the being frozen in fear and being so insatiably ravenous were the two that took it for them which yeah, uh which i think makes that. sense the ravenous one i get to i i understand that one a lot more because like mm. i could see myself getting to the point where i would commit cannibalism uh which i I don't know if that actually says something bad about me because I can't see myself freezing up with fear so much. It's just like whenever you're going to, into a store while hungry, you're like, I don't know if I could do this. Maybe I should just eat one of these people instead. It'll be quicker. Just in the meat aisle, licking the person <laughs> next to me. <laughs> if that is the case, yeah, maybe, maybe be a little worried. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't think I freeze up, but I understand how that'd be terrifying. I'm just not the type that freezes up. Mm -hmm. um at least that yeah, i experienced and i think generally to be afraid of something you have to like somewhat believe that it could happen yeah um so yeah that 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 does make sense how about you um, man which is the scariest for you it's kind of a difficult one to be honest mm. uh hmm. i'll tell you if there was the one of being licked in your sleep that that would do it for me that that's what i would <laughs> honestly easy number yeah. one <laughs> there you go um that is pretty scary. Uh, I probably say I probably say being so insatiably hungry, just because getting to that amount of desperation just seems so 
uh, scary. Yeah, um, it does. Like where it's almost like it's it, like I think at that point your primitive mind probably takes over, and you're not even really thinking. Like you're just you're no longer human in a way. You're just like beast mode. But yeah. Not not like in a cool way, in like a um savage way, but not in the cool. way. <laughs> why do we use all these words <laughs> in a in a not good way for at least for those around you i just want to answer like a line of tough saying oh no he's going beast mode no I'm going <laughs> he's not going beast mode he's going savage <laughs> well i don't think he's very cool he's eating those people <laughs> he'd be perfect um uh all right well we had a short answer question of, would you eat someone? If so, would you kill them to eat them or only consume them post-mortem? Uh, people said, I probably couldn't kill them, but they'd eat a corpse. We had They said, unwillingly, yes, like if I was forced to eat human for survival. Which if they said unwillingly, I feel like it would probably be post-mortem. I don't feel like they would kill. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if they found a stranger and their group was like, let's eat this stranger, they'd be all for it. But <laughs> Well, they'd be reluctant, but they'd do it. Yeah. That that's definitely what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> personally, I would like if, if it was my group that was hungry and we found a random person, not a child. Child doesn't count. Um, you don't eat children. But oh, I thought you were gonna say it's a freebie. Like, I know. You don't even count it as a person. You know. <laughs> well, actually, bears do that. Uh, bears like <laughs> if they're starving, they'll eat their kids, which is just crazy. But it makes sense because like the kids aren't gonna survive if all of them are starving. Um, I, s- I swear that's the second time you've mentioned bears eating their kids. Because it fascinates me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so logical and it's just like, bears, you're so I, smart. I'm pretty sure you brought this up in, in the tall grass when she eats like her yes, stillborn child. That would make sense. Because people because like, bears eat their children. That's, <laughs> you're just like, that's a bear move right there. Yeah. That's a bear move. But like, it just makes so much sense because like, of course the kids aren't going to survive if they're all starving. The mom's going to do it. And then she can have more kids. And it's just like that. It's just, there you go. Survival of the species. <laughs> oh, bears. Um, so another, we had only in desperation and postmortem. We had another say, not a chance. I can barely handle the sight of blood, let alone eating someone. And then if I was starving and they were already dead, I'd probably eat them. Um, I think my only rule is I do, I, it's not going to be my first go-to. It's a last resort. But also, they need to be cooked for me. That's just like, I can't do, I'm bad at eating like my steaks rare. Like, I can't eat a person rare. <laughs> I love like that, that, that's the issue though. It's like, I mean, I would kill and eat them, but I don't have a fire going. Like, they've got to be at least medium well for me. <laughs> they have to have suntanned first. <laughs> How about you? And could you? And I think I I feel like a bad person for saying this, but I would one hundred percent kill someone to eat them. Because the issue with not killing them is if you eat them post mortem, it's probably because they died of malnourishment. If you're in that situation, so then they don't have Mm -hmm. much to give you. Um, so you're benefiting a lot more if you kill them early. It's kind of like this. Uh, this idea, like I forget where this is from, but I've heard of it. Where, like, you have this, like, raw steak or this raw piece of meat in the room and, like, say, you know, you're, like, a full-blown, you've been vegetarian all your life, you know, you never eat meat. Yeah. Um, but you're, like, trapped in this room and the only food there is is the steak. And at first you're going to be like, well, I don't want it. And so you're going to wait and you're going to wait and you're going to wait. But as you wait, the meat starts to spoil. 
and it mm. becomes worse and worse and worse to eat. And so the question is, do you eat it early? Because now is the best time to, even though you really, really don't want to. Or do you wait until you're so hungry that you'll eat it out of desperation, but by that time it's spoiled? Interesting. What a situation. Yeah. You know, when you find yourself trapped in a room with only a raw steak. See, this is why I'm not vegetarian, (laughs) in case that happens. (laughs) Well, you got to cook it, though, so same situation. Yeah, I I just wouldn't eat it. (laughs) Couldn't bring myself to do it. But yeah, that is an interesting uh, point there. Um, And it's always so hard to tell when you're not in those situations. And let's hope none of us are ever in that situation. That'd be ideal. Um, don't, don't, don't go through the Sierra Nevada mountains during the winter, <laughs> mm-hmm. at least not on like a <laughs> random passage that someone's bringing you to, uh, definitely but, not during the colonial era. Yeah. I can't see myself like in a group of survival. I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I would find it very difficult to even think about like killing someone, um, unless it's like self-defense sort of thing uh so i'd probably be one of those people who like oh the person's dead and even then i probably wouldn't want to but if i'm starving like yeah maybe see you said that and like my i think i'm the type of survivalist where like if we were even in the beginnings of a survival situation we were all just lost in the woods i'd immediately start thinking like and what order do we eat people if it comes to (laughs) (laughs) don't go camping in the woods with marshall as soon as you get to the campsite even if you have a full cooler a full cooler and pantry he's gonna already be starting to think we have cell phones and service <laughs> it's just like writing down well, on my notebook. just in case i'm just... gonna write down this random list of names that has nothing to do with anything <laughs> don't worry about it if you're at the top of the list that's great at the bottom of the list even better someone's like are you writing out our itinerary marshall it's like no it's an ingredient, <laughs> it's an ingredient list <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking about what food to save for when we start eating people you know, do we want to save some garlic for that? You know, make it taste better. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you should bring spices. But. <laughs> All right. Our last question. You do a terrible thing for a great sum of money. Unimaginable wealth. What's the worst thing you can think of that you would do to achieve this wealth? And could you keep doing it regularly to maintain it? I left it very open-ended because I was very curious That's to see so what open-ended. people would do as the worst thing like because there's that there was that thing a while back that was going to like facebook and whatever of that person like with their foot above the little baby bunny rabbit being like if i gave you a million dollars would you do it um implying like would you crush the baby bunny rabbit and like oof do that one that one's tri- i would eat a person in an instant but crushing that little baby bunny rabbit that was yeah i, I don't think i could do that not for not for i don't think i could do that for any amount of money that's Unless, unless like someone I knew was like dying of something that they couldn't afford to pay for, then then it starts to become a conundrum because you're like, well, if I kill this bunny, I can save this person's life. But then like also, if you have all that money though, imagine how many lives you can save, you know. But like, oh, does gosh. that reconcile it? And it's just... oh no, <laughs> the the cute little bunny though. I know, uh, God, dude, but it's a bunny. It doesn't live. It lives like, what's a bunny's lifespan? They have like nine years to live. That's nothing. And there's so many rabbits. They're so easy to breed. And they 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 die so easily. Like, I I remember once I was walking mm. back. Uh, I was walking through a street because I used to park in my old high school. And I worked a few streets down. So I just leave my car there and then walk to work and then walk back to the high school at, like, midnight or something. And uh, 
uh, it was it was really dark, so it was always a little freaky. And there's these little like kind of store entrances that where the door is like in that kind of like little square, like the building is pushed in a little there. I don't know what you call that, but that entrance, the mm-hmm. entryway where there's a little roof over in the door. And it's all dark over there. And I remember I saw a raccoon there once and I was like, that's it. I'm never trusting these areas again. Um, and I saw him walking through. And I think I'm just off my game that night, but apparently I was extremely on my game because this little rabbit darts around the corner and I am, I was like superhuman in this one instant. It was the worst place to be superhuman because I punt this rabbit into the street and it goes flying. And I was so surprised this rabbit did not die because usually like in a situation of extreme stress, they die of heart attacks like they're really fragile. Um, That's not uncommon for rabbits, uh, as I understand. But this thing ran off and I, I was... I felt so guilty. I was like, I was like, I just punted a rabbit. Like I am a terrible human being. Oh my God. Um, nonetheless, I, I question, would I do it again for a million dollars? Oh my, yeah, man. I mean, especially since you already did it once. <laughs> exactly. And like the rabbit was mostly okay. As far, I mean, it might've died later. Honestly, I don't know. Um, oh gosh. I was, I was, I was something, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't feel guilty with it today. So like I get over it, <laughs> but that was very unintentional. I was just like, that was just a reflex. So like, I don't, I just don't know. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is a weird question. And I'm, I'm guessing that this has to do with the sort of Wendigo thing, right? Of like, yeah, that, of they, they can't do, do to take. Yeah. Because you you need to take you have this insatiable hunger you need to fulfill it. What are you willing to do to do so? Like what are you willing to do for a Klondike bar or whatever? But like mm-hmm. in person form. Um, I always thought that was such that was such a dumb thing. It's like <laughs> they're not even that good, man. What do you mean? What would I do? I would do nothing. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, but w- what we get? Um, we have. One person saying my brain is already fragile and likes to punish me, so no amounts of money would convince me to regularly do any amount of evil. And that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. I think that just means you're a pretty decent person. I don't know if I blame it on your brain being fra- fragile. I think that's just being a decent person right there. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's bad. Not being able to commit evil acts on a regular basis doesn't say anything for For bad material wealth. Yeah. Uh, if I had billions and the only way to maintain it was to murder people, then sure, why not? But, I, <laughs> but okay, hold on. They do mention I couldn't just murder random people. They have to be bad people like rapists and animal abusers. And that's oh. that's fair. That's that's a good loophole you found there. Um, yeah, I'm glad you added that part. Just yeah. like, I mean, if I had billions and, yeah, you know, like, I had to kill people to maintain it. Sure. <laughs> and, do you, okay, they mentioned animal abusers, which... Like, I think it's... Uh-oh. Marshall, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> bunny, bunny punter. But, like, the people that, like, actually do harm animals, like, not by accidentally punting them, but, like, purposely harming them. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, that bothers... Like, an animal is so goddamn innocent. Like, why, why are you doing that? And, like, I'm a yeah, hunter. It's... And mm-hmm. so, like, I'm okay. I will shoot an animal because, like, there's a purpose to it. There's meat. It's, like, a tradition amidst... Uh, my like family but mm-hmm. i will uh, what i hate is like shooting an animal just to shoot an animal that's not cool 
Um, it's just they're just like the people that like kick their dogs. It's just like that's a it's a good boy right there. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and if they're being a bad boy, it's your fault. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's yeah people who just abuse animals and get joy out mm. of out of making animals feel pain. Like there's that is like one of the that is like the most deplorable thing. It really is. Um. All right. So the next is I really have no idea. I don't think I would survive doing something terrible regularly, even if I was using the money in charitable ways to try to balance the scales. I wish I had a more creative answer, but I just don't have one. And I think that's fair. Like you even mentioned, you even thought ahead to like using the money for charitable means to make up for it, but you don't think you could do mm-hmm. it, which I think that's just fair. Like I, I don't think you need to be super creative because if you can't go through it, you can't go through with it. And I don't think that reflects poorly upon you. Um, the obvious answer is murder. And there is no way in hell I would be able to do it more than once on that being on the off chance. I could go through with it once. Uh, yeah, you know, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, classic making annoying. Would you like to, <laughs> Oh, here you go. So making it annoying. Would you like to add the special feature to your service calls? Um, like adding a bunch of useless stuff to an internet package, but I was quit as soon as the customer seemed annoyed at me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's the worst thing is upselling people <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing I'd do is be a salesperson <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I, I, ups- I pride myself in my upsells game so like god that's <laughs> I, I'm like I've worked in the re- I've worked in retail a lot and like I'm s- I am spectacular I Would you like so. a side of fries with that? Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I always know how to squeeze an extra, like, 10 bucks out of, like, customers and restaurants and stuff. <laughs> so, like, I just, jeez. Maybe I'm just a terrible person. That's, that's what this episode has been about now. If only you got paid well for it, right? Yeah, no, that's, like, I, I, regret, <laughs> I actually regret doing it because, like, it doesn't affect me now. <laughs> I didn't get an mm. extra pay raise for it. I got a pat on the back. That doesn't do me any good now. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, man, uh, were they? Are there any more responses? Nope, that's it. Ian. how about you? Do you? Well, could you keep it up? After hearing all of these answers, um, I think I've thought about it, and I actually agree with the one that said that even even thinking about like the possible charitable means mm-hmm. um, that you could put the money towards to make up for the evil that you're doing to make the money, right? And I assume they have to be proportional in this case. You know, if I can do like, you know, if I can upsell someone and then make a hundred billion dollars and then give like ninety nine point nine nine percent of that to like, you know, good causes, then of course I'd do that, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not equal. But assuming that like I can only do as much good with that money as I am doing evil, not even accounting for like my personal desires that I want with that money. I could never do that because essentially then you are taking that sort of position of a judge of morality. You are taking, and I don't think it's really my right to, to sort of take that scale and decide who should have less and who should have more, essentially. No, I think that's that's a fair way to look at it. And also I think that, I think at a certain point, like when you have that much money, like say you have like unlimited wealth or something. Well, not unlimited. Say you have like, I don't know. Just 10, unreal. Not $20 million. Mm-hmm. I don't know. $100 million. 
Um, I think something happens to you when you get to that point. Um, either something, I think it's a combination. I think something happens to you when you get enough money where you actually become less giving uh, because you're, you're worried about losing that money because you think it's important. It, it seems so fundamental to your livelihood, right? Yeah. Um, so I think you become less giving and you focus more on that money. And then also I think to get to that point, to get that much money, you have to be focused on money. And when you're focused on money, you're not focused on people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, and that means you're prioritizing money over people, and that always ends badly. And that always means that you know, you're going to have – Jeff Bezos is going to have low-wage workers having to pee in bottles so that deliveries can happen faster so that he can make more money, right? And that's what yeah. happens when you, get, when you put that value on money. So uh, I don't want to be that wealthy. I think it's uh, – I don't think it's good for you. Yeah, I'd agree. And I like what you said about being the judge because I think that's the real danger of mm-hmm. this situation is even – like when you put yourself in that kind of position of power, I think – naturally power like power is naturally corrupting is kind of mm-hmm. the idea i don't know how much yeah. i believe that um i because i've seen people like get wealthy and stuff like make a large amount of money but still actually be really great people um mm-hmm. and live it's relatively like humble lives it's possible but i do agree it is it that is the outlier that like you don't yeah. see it often i think it's a possibility to become super rich and <laughs> without screwing people over and being mm. a bad person but Certainly, you can become wealthy while still maintaining your dignity and your respect of other human beings and prioritizing mm-hmm. them. Um, and to actually bring it around back to the movie, uh, you know, like, it's basically um, this sort of decision is actually what Boyd ends up doing because he has this ability. He has the ability because Callahan, he dies first, right, in that bear trap. And mm-hmm. so right in that moment, Boyd has the option, and you see it in his face. He has the option to to eat Calhoun, and he can gain his strength, and he can escape that trap, and he can live. But if he does that, he's going to have this power. Um, he knows you know, he's going to have that power, and it's going to make him want to eat people. Mm-hmm. And even if he wanted to do it charitably, like you know, eat bad people, right? Not indiscriminately, but eat specifically bad people that he meets— um, he becomes the judge, right? He has that power, and and he becomes the judge. And so he decides against it, and he decides, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, I'm not going to do a bad thing to a bad person to gain, to gain this power, this wealth, because I'm just going to harm other people. And so he dies. So yeah, I think no. that's that's definitely. I agree with Boyd on this one. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd have to go with you on that. Um, well, Ian, on top of that, any last thoughts you got? No, I think, I think on that bombshell, it's time to end, in fact. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) Thank you all so much for stopping by. Don't forget to uh, check out the description of the episode where you'll find the Discord link in case you want to join our audience and weigh in on the movies that we review. Also, pretty soon here, we're going to have a website up. Uh, So I don't, I don't know if it'll be up when you listen to this. I mean, almost probably not if you're listening to it uh, like on the day of the release came out yeah that's, yeah but we're only human. at some point we will have a website passofear.com um so i don't know you can give it a shot put it into your web browser and uh see what comes up <laughs> but it's uh www.passofear.com yeah passofear.com go 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 for it when it's there maybe it's not i don't know mm-hmm. anyway just try it anyways <laughs> 
I don't know what it is right now. Is it anything? Hold on. No, it's not anything right now. Hasofear.com. Yeah, it can't be reached. <laughs> All right. All right, I've, but, I've always been curious if there's a pathsofear.com. Hold on. No, there's not. Okay. Good, 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 good. All right. Well, Dude, if we ever do music reviews, we're paths of Oh, okay. Paths. <laughs> Maybe I should reserve that domain. Anyway. All right. Thank you all uh, so much. And you have a wonderful day, everybody. Farewell. Yes. Thanks for listening.